Everybody, welcome to episode 27 of Business Can Be Better. How to build a sellable business is what we are talking about today. My name is Lane. Um, I am CEO of a company called London Row Media. I'm Kelly Ray, and I own PMH Business Coaching and Topic. We want to tell you a little bit about what's new in our life. So we can see. skip mine because we wasted six minutes, but yours <laughs> is very good, so you should share. Okay. Um, so as of last Friday, we kind of made the public announcement, but Leonard Road Media has been acquired. Um, I've sold my business 100%, so that is what's exciting. You've known that it was coming. We've talked about it. You kind of have a bit of the inside scoop, but um, that was something we finally got to announce. We were acquired by a company called Epiphany Group. Um, a private equity firm and it's been a discussion we've been having for quite a while and an amazing group of business people um, from every angle from finances to HR to business development and there's just a lot of mentoring that I'm gonna get to tap into there um, but they've acquired us and their existing marketing department there's three people there on their team and they have moved in with us so we've grown by three grown by a bunch of new clients that they were servicing so we're at the end of today is the end of day two of us being one team and it's fun it's a lot to work out and figure out and get everyone transitioned smoothly but it's a very exciting time nothing's changing as far as what it looks like publicly i'm still i'm ceo and will lead it and be the vision and the strategy and everything else um uh, nothing really changes other than just some fun new growth so I was looking, I was watching if your backwards hat would change. That's never going anywhere. It's not going anywhere. <laughs> <laughs> it's part of the deal. I'm really happy for you. It seems like the cultures are a good good match, too. Perfect mesh. Like, and yeah. you're really happy. It's, I'm really both, happy for you. We both, I think, yeah, have the same business mindset and values and do things very similarly. So it's a perfect fit. If it was anyone else that I was kind of iffy about, like, I don't know if they're going to be fun to work with, like it... You know, I wasn't needing to sell in any way, so I would have walked away from that. But these people are just so great that, oh, that I just wanted to work with them. I'm just like, no, I, like, I want to do, I want this to happen. Let's work together. You guys are awesome. So very excited that that has happened. Um, we have a couple of people that have specifically joined us in chat today. So Clara okay. is here who is a business broker. Hi, Clara. Um, Thank you for not giving up on us when you couldn't hear up. us for six minutes. Yeah. So Clara's here. Uh, she's a business broker, an experienced business broker, um, helps people buy and sell businesses all the time. So she's here to help us talk about how to build a sellable business. Awesome. Uh, now I can't remember what I've said. Can I start with my disclaimer? Yeah, please, please. <laughs> my disclaimer that I want to give out is... I in no way claim to be an expert on this just because I did this once successfully very recently and we're not doing this podcast because I suddenly feel like I have the magic formula. Um, I had this one good experience and I think we can just share a bit of that story and what we think maybe helped that happen and you can share some of your experiences and this is what our podcast is always about. We cover such a breadth of topics that we're not claiming to be the foremost expert on any of them necessarily. We're just sharing our stories and our experience and some of our clients' experiences and whatever we might be able to share that can help people uh, a little bit. So Yeah, I'm really excited to hear. I don't know who else is on there because I can't see that far, but um, <laughs> Clara, thank you so much. I was interested to hear your perspective on this. 
uh, because I also do not claim to be a business sewing expert by any means. But the reason I was really excited for tonight's uh, topic was because um, I kind of was hoping to do the same topic but different angle. Like I was really noticing that um, people are not like there's sort of a theme with people that I've been seeing in the past couple weeks where they're really a key resource in their business and this, right. this coaching business is such a good example like I'm totally the key resource in this business still why well, I have other businesses right mm -hmm. but that can't be the thing <laughs> you can't be the key resource if you want to sell right. but also not just sell have freedom have it be systemized and have you know time off have it be like basically a money-making machine which is in my opinion the whole reason you start a business well other than yeah. help people obviously but there's so much risk involved in business there's so much hard work especially in the beginning that if you're not going to make a profit and create like a systemized business that works for you why would you yeah so yeah um systemizing a business and making a business sellable i feel like are one and the same right well systemizing it for profitability not just okay. systemizing it to be bad yeah but yeah but i'm excited to hear um what people have to say about and i don't think like, just because we're saying how to build a business to be sellable, I don't think that everyone needs to build their business with the intention of selling it. Because something like what you're building, where it is coaching and it's about you as the core asset to it being a profitable business, um, that's a business that is going to be very difficult to sell if you ever decided you wanted to. But there's nothing wrong with that. You don't have to have an exit strategy for every business you're involved in. I think it's fine to have a business that still relies on a person's skill for to be the main asset but that's not the type of business we're talking about we're talking about the type of business if you are in business and not to assume that anyone is or should be but if you're the type of business that you're hoping one day to sell it maybe we can share a little bit about what we think might help that be possible yeah and a lot of the stuff that i'm going to share works in a business like mine or a business where you are the key resource too but ultimately if you want to get free of the business have it be systemized be profitable without you um, yeah, you have to be replaceable in the business. So, right. and I mean, even my coaches getting me to work on things that where I don't have to be there to deliver them, you know, have someone else do the online mm -hmm. course, etc. Um, but, um, I, I really hope I didn't say this already. I know, sorry, we had to start over, but <laughs> the, the tools that I always talk about are the keys here for me, like making sure that everyone has really clear job descriptions and goals mm -hmm. and policies, processes and then systemization. So you can make all of those documents that you want, but if you don't have a way of making sure that those things happen, yeah, there's no point in making all of that stuff. Okay. So I'm a huge fan of my calendars, you know, and you know, having daily, weekly, and monthly things in there, and then actually doing the procedures mm -hmm. that you set up, making sure that yeah. you review the job descriptions and the goals with people. Yeah. And then just tweaking, like looking at your financials every month, and then looking, okay, did we hit a revenue goal? Yes or no? why not did we hit our expense goals yes or no why not and same with profit and then that's where you start to look where do we need to fix procedures where do we need to coach on job descriptions mm -hmm. yeah. that's a big that's a pretty good summary of what i wanted to say today. okay I have some other <laughs> we'll, points, we'll dip back into it please yeah jump in. i think uh the question that you have to ask is why is your business a better option to the seller than that person just starting a business from scratch like why would they buy yours instead of something else so say it's like a coffee shop why buy your coffee shop instead of opening a new one? Like, what do you offer that they Great can't do points. themselves? Yeah, so we were looking at acquiring a, another media company last year ourselves. 
um, and got as far as you know signing the NDAs and looking at the books and everything else, and then ended up walking away. And one of the questions that made that an easy decision for me was my accountant, who is amazing and almost you know my business coach and helps not necessarily, but he ends up sitting in that role sometimes just with his good advice. And one of the things he asked is like, you know, how far ahead does this take you? Like, you know, what? How far behind are you if you just started this from scratch? Why buy theirs? You know, how much would it take for you to build this from scratch? And when I thought about that, I realized, yeah, actually, we could just get there with a couple months' work and a lot less money, probably, if we did it from scratch. Why am I buying into theirs? The one thing I couldn't get was a brand that had been around for decades, and that's kind of what I was buying into. But other than that, I could have built everything myself. So that's something you have to ask yourself. If you're going to sell your business, why would someone buy yours instead of starting from scratch? And I think... The reasons I like listed a few that I think there might be, one would be assets. Like usually you're gonna pay less than brand new value on those assets. Like if you're taking over that coffee shop, you're not spending, it's not costing you the same amount it costs to get that fancy espresso maker when you buy it. You know, you're getting a, um, a reduced price, a depreciated price on everything. So assets, you're gonna save a bit of money on assets possibly. Um, Another reason is because you have something that's just not easily replicated. You have something that isn't easy to build a similar version of. Um, you think of some of the, especially around software companies and things that hold patents or all of that, like you can't just make a copycat. You kind of have to buy the original. But even then, you look at Instagram and, you know, they. I don't have no idea what happened behind the scenes, but I wonder if they considered buying something like Snapchat, but then they're just like, no, we're just going to replicate it. And they made Instagram stories, and now they've basically demolished Snapchat because they did it better than them. So that was them possibly asking that question. Should we buy them, or do we just do the same thing ourselves and do it better? Yeah, um, I want to talk about the opposite side of that really quick for kay. a second. Because a lot of people come to me and say, um, this person offered you know, for me to buy their business. Yeah. And they think they have to do that to be successful. Like, it's almost like they don't understand the opposite of what you just said, like from the other person's side. Like, an example comes to mind where if you put in two hours a week, this one person I was talking to, to go connect with these people who have like a 95% conversion rate when you talk to them. Right. You could build the amount of business you'd be buying from this person in one month. Right. <laughs> one month. Right. And you're going to pay half a million dollars for this company. Yeah. Like, you really have to think about that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Clara was jumping in probably on okay. your point, saying having your policies and procedures documented help alleviate doubt in the buyer's mind, because I think that's, it's all about risk assessment. And when you have that, you've just eliminated some, because you're not worrying, you know, are the staff still going to be able to do their job when this transaction happens? And when you have that, that's going to help a lot. Yeah, and so if even if I'm doing like a key role in the business, as, as long as I have like a, let's say I'm managing the company. Mm-hmm. If I have a manager binder, I like to call them, you know, a manual with a clear job description and clear goals, clear daily, weekly, monthly procedures yeah. and policies and mm-hmm. how to do the budget and how to do the marketing and how to do the HR, like, yeah. here you go, you don't need me. Yeah. Yeah. Another one on my list for why someone might buy yours rather than starting from scratch is because of the human resources you have in play. Like your employees who know how to do the job well, who know how to do it well. That is important for especially companies like mine, maybe less on the coffee shop example where you can probably find an experienced barista and show them your kind of culture and you're probably good to go 
with a little bit of training, I don't want to downplay that there is still a lot of like, I don't want to downplay how important it is to get them to do their job the way that they do in your coffee shop compared to someone else. But I think in a business like ours, where it is all about that human capital, the people doing the job, you're buying some of that because I know how much goes into training a new person and getting them on board with the systems and doing the job well and being integrated with everyone else. Like that's not something you can just replicate by, you know, setting up a job ad on Workopolis or something and hiring six new people and be like, okay, we're good to go. Like that, having human resources in play is valuable. And retaining them. Like if you look at your turnover, it's very low. And you look at your culture, it's very good. And you look at your staff engagement, it's very good. You look at your, like, they wouldn't have wanted to buy a team who might or might not be there in two months, Mm -hmm. you know? So I think that's another strong point that that you had. When you talked about yeah. assets, I kind of wanted to circle back to okay. that for like assets, 30 sure. seconds. Um, one thing that I think is cool in the last few years that wasn't part of selling businesses before is if you get a ton of Google reviews, you have a big following on social media, um, if you have a really SEO optimized kind of name of your business, right? I feel like you can also use that as an asset. Absolutely. You know, like, look, you don't have to advertise because yeah. when you Google this thing, search, only we come up. Your search ranking on yeah. Google is an asset. The yeah. reviews and that social trust and all of that, that's an asset. So Absolutely. develop that. Like even if, I've mm-hmm. talked to some people this week who are like, yeah, but I have no competition. I'm like, not yet, Yeah. you know? And if you ever want to sell it, yeah. you know? And, and and yeah, so those Google reviews, I know we talk about those a lot, but. I think, so I'll, the next point was supposed to be process is already in place. We talked about that. I think we're good there. So my next point, is connected to that where I just say brand because if you don't have a brand that is something that it's also an asset Um, if you have a brand that means something to people that's and I think that was a big part of what made us sellable was we didn't just provide good services we didn't just have we didn't have assets we have very little assets we have some computers and some camera equipment and you know no one bought us no one bought us for assets but we had that human resources the human capital we have some processes in place. We have, the, I think the big one was that brand. We had a brand that had a lot, has a lot of trust, that has a good reputation, um, that you know, large companies and organizations are willing to work with us because they see who else has worked with us um, and, and say good things about us. So that brand is worth a lot. And that's Your something reputation. that, yeah, if, if yeah. someone was to try and replicate us and just say, well, why would you buy you? Why don't I start my own marketing company? That's a thing that you can't fast track very well. Building brand takes time. I don't care what you do. You can't fast track it that well. It's just time plus trust equals brand. Like just let it take time. Like I turned 37 on Friday and I was like, yes, I'm getting (laughs) older and more like credible. Yeah. I've always been like, I always felt like people would listen to me more the longer the older mm-hmm. I was the longer I had in the industry do we have Claire talking yeah we do <laughs> do we want her to jump in yeah I wish there was like a boop 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 yeah we should just have a boop boop sorry so Clara yeah so when we're talking about human capital she's saying what happens when the staff quits you have everything documented to train new people so that mm. would be with processes and yeah human. I like that yeah and um and also buyers love amazing staff culture especially when they connect personally to that culture so that's another thing connected to brand I think too that you can't fabricate in a phony way like that's just something that takes a while to build and if that helps you actually earn revenue and sales that's a hard thing to replicate my last thing that i think um, people why they would buy your business instead of starting over is you have you have recurring revenue 
that's important. You have, and a lot Absolutely. of us being a retainer-based um, firm, that is something that we can prove. Like we have this much monthly recurring revenue, our turnover, you know, our retention rate is extremely high, so it's very stable. You know you're gonna make this amount of money in revenue month after month because it doesn't go anywhere. We have this retention rate and this is what it is and it's based on retainer. So that is worth a lot. Like yeah. I know. And you gotta slow down because this is so important. Okay, slow down. You're tracking <laughs> procedures. Mm -hmm. Like you know those numbers. You know your yeah. retention, you know your conversion, you know your recurring revenue, you're tracking your numbers. I think that's so important. Yeah. So many people still, like it's crazy to me with all the technology we have available, still are not tracking stuff like that. Right. You cannot that's manage what you don't measure. You cannot sell something that you can't prove is valuable. Yeah, like, yeah absolutely. Right, Clara? <laughs> She'll agree, I'm sure. Now I need validation on each point, please. But I think um, that's there's other people in my kind of industry where that is difficult. Like I know, even speaking to other people who have um, firms like mine, who started out being just all about building websites or something like that. And there is very little monthly recurring revenue yeah. in websites. It's a big project. You finish it, you get your whatever, like $6,000 to $40,000 check or whatever it is. Um, and then you are hoping that there's another one lined up for when you've done that one. I mean, you should have them overlapped and you should have work lined up. But I mean, it's it's yeah, peaks and valleys, right? And so, and maybe when you finish it, there is a little retainer built in. It's you know we help ma manage it. We'll send you some reports on analytics, whatever. But that's that's what you have to do if you're in that if if that's the service you provide is what can we do to create some stability and have yeah. monthly recurring revenue? I love that. Because if you're just providing a one-off service, it's like boom, big check, and then you got to go find someone else to sell it to. That's tough. So I know other people, even competitors in town um, who started that way and then they evolved their business to be able to have that stable monthly recurring revenue in some way. Ours is with retainers, others are with actually buying the advertising display space so they can sell that to people. You know, there's lots of ways that you can find a way to earn that, but having MRR as we call it is yeah, extremely so important. important. Yeah. And when you said um, having something that other people don't have, mm -hmm. like being able to, like why would they buy yours instead of someone else's? We talked about this a little bit before, but I think having a really, truly unique selling proposition and a competitive advantage that's not imitable right. is so rare. Because people will be like, oh, like building up your reputation or building up your online reviews, all that sort of stuff, that takes time, right? Mm -hmm. That's one that's hard to imitate if you've got five, five, 10 years in there or even mm -hmm. three. But if you're just like, well, we're the cheapest, worst competitive advantage ever, by the way, that's not gonna, you can't yeah. sell your company based on that, No. you know? And even I used to quote, oh, well, Walmart, only Walmart can do it. Now I take that back. It's, right. it's not, yeah. it's not a winning strategy. Don't compete on price. Mm -hmm. And come up with a competitive advantage that's not easy to copy, and that's really unique. Yeah. Otherwise. Agreed. Yeah, okay. Um, then I was asking, another question would be to ask is how might you be a liability to your business hmm. and I think we talked about that a bit operations depend on you like you can't you know if you go actually I heard I was listening to a podcast uh, recently and uh, they're talking to someone who is very involved in American like the real estate association or whatever it is down in the states where they have this big board or organization that's all about the real estate across uh, North America or in America and he was saying people would ask him or people have asked him you know what makes a business versus a company and i guess in his mind he's talking about uh, a company is just 
you've created a company, you're self-employed though, but a business is something that has a model that can yeah. sustain itself. So he said the way to test it is really easy. You as a business owner, just leave. Just like I pack up your too. stuff, pack up your stuff and go. Come back in three months. And if your business is still making money, and maybe even making more money, you got yourself a business, you right? But if you leave, if you come back and there's no business left, yeah, that's not a business. That's a company. And yeah. and he is talking from a real estate perspective. That's where he comes from, and that's where yeah, if that's you look at real estate, the, the real like there's very the only the broker has a business. Everyone else is self-employed. Yeah, absolutely. Um, they're not a business, but. Yeah, that and again, I think is a great way. And again, we're not self-employed people. No, we're just but clarifying we, definitions. <laughs> yeah, and I mean, yeah. to go from self-employed to an actual business, that is a, lot, a leap a lot of people want to take because then they can have it run without them. Then they mm-hmm. can sell it one day. We're so good. something that I think Clara probably, probably one of the first conversations she would have, but I just wanted to mention it because I, I think a lot of people listen to us because we don't talk at like the expert level. We're right. very, like we talk in relatable terms. Um you have to be showing profitability, cash right. flow, and like upward trends if you yeah. want to sell your business for a good amount of money, right? You don't want to be like, oh, I'm struggling, I haven't made any money in the last five years, and I just want to get out of this. Because you, you touched on that earlier, right. wanting to sell versus needing to sell. I've seen a lot of sad cases where people just want to get out, they yeah. just want to sell their assets at half price, they have no no profitability to show, no big um, check they're going to get. Right. And sometimes that was their retirement strategy. Yeah. And now they can't sell. It's, it's really sad. Or it, it might not affect whether it is sellable, but it's definitely going to affect the price. Yes. <laughs> because I, yeah. I, you know, I would, I would look at a business that's tanking and going down too, as yeah. long as it's for a reason that I can fix. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> If totally. it's market changes or whatever, you know, maybe that's, that's something that can't be solved. But if it's because management was awful or it was undercapitalized or whatever, um, then that's, but it's going to affect the price. I think the other thing about how you might be a liability in your business, and this was a big one for me early on, is so the first was that operations might depend on you, but also maybe the brand depends on you. And that was something that I became self-aware of years ago. And Claire is someone that I actually met with like very early in business. And I went to her and said, mm-hmm. and we just chatted, we just wanted to meet. And so we talked and in that conversation, what I went there wanting to find out was, okay, so how do I, basically this conversation, how do I build a business that I can actually sell someday? Because I don't want to do this forever. I love it. I want to do it for probably like minimum 10 years. Um, but how do I do this in a way that it is sellable? And that was the big one was because at that point, and still is to some degree, but at that point, the London Row Media brand was me. It was my brand. It was my personal brand. And without me, the London Row brand was nothing. Um, and so I had to start building its own brand that wasn't just me. And while I'm still building my own brand, London Road, we've been building its own brand and that those two things are separate. So that's another way Sorry. <laughs> That's way that you might be a liability to your business is that you think you have a great brand, but if you weren't in it, would that brand still be there or is the brand you? Yeah. And in businesses like ours, I think that's much more of a, of a factor because it is, we're so integral to the whole thing yeah and i i kind of feel the need to defend myself but this is not a good reason for talking but i want to say this anyways we acknowledge that a business based on a person is not a sellable but it can be very profitable it can be very fulfilling and also you and i decided this together to grow my company based on a personal brand yeah because it was so much faster and 
more efficient than trying to grow a company. Mm-hmm. And a lot of the people that I look up to as some of the best business coaches in the world, they've grown their brand on their who they are. Yeah. And that's just what my clients love about me is who I am. So I love it yeah. and I acknowledge that it's not very sellable, but that's why I do invest yeah. in other businesses. It's right? not it's not a mistake to not do it that way. I mean you who like and follow Tony Robbins. I mean, is the Tony Robbins brand anything Some if Tony Robbins is that. not a part of it? Like, yeah, no. it, right? It's all personal no. brand. That's not yeah. to say that's a bad way to go about it. it but if, like we say, if, if we're like talking about trying to world. build, yeah. And gives, he gives the most. If like, we're trying to make a sellable business, though, that's something where it needs to have its own brand. And yeah. It needs to be able to survive without you as they a brand. They are trying. It's yeah. not good, though. My last question that I would ask is what might affect the price? And so we talked a bit about um, that, that urgency, like if you're losing money, that urgency, like I need to get out, I need to get some cash out of this, that's going to affect price. Or if you're, you know, your business is going to go out of business, if you don't yeah. sell it, that urgency is going to affect price. Ties in good because Clara mentioned, you know, if 80% of your revenue comes from one client, that's a risk yes. to the buyer. Risk. And I had that in here where revenue risk, like that yeah. is going to affect Dependency. price yeah. or the possibility of it selling or not. And even not just um, the way it's working in your business, but even by the industry. If it's a volatile industry, you know, how stable is that monthly recurring revenue if yeah. the whole industry is kind of an up and down kind of industry? And I think in that case, if the industry is volatile or, you know, competitors are flexible, I think being flexible can kind of combat that in some ways, but yeah. you really have to build in being flexible to your businesses nowadays. Like, really. Oh, if yeah, you're not you willing to, to flex and change move, and move, yeah. like things are changing so, so, so fast. So I think yeah. flexibility is key too. The other one that would affect price is debts or commitments. Debts, obviously, is just a part of the calculation, but those commitments, like I know there was a place in, sale, uh, in town that was for sale that couldn't sell, and it was likely very much due to a very long-term lease that they were locked into mm-hmm. that just made it near impossible to make a profit at that business. So you've got these commitments that are just gonna make it very difficult or change the price because you're locked into something and and then the buyer is then taking that on. Yeah, I, I cannot gloss over the systemization thing without saying the financial planning and analyzing is so important. Like planning out your goals every month for revenue, expenses, and profit, and then every month actually looking at that. Yeah. You have to do that, like with the lease, if you're gonna sign a five-year lease, project that out. Can you really make the revenue to cover those expenses and make a profit, mm-hmm. you have to do the financial planning. I think the last thing that would maybe affect price more in favor of you is some sort of synergistic value, if we want to steal a quote from our friend that commented on LinkedIn. <laughs> but that was a big part of is our sale. Here? I don't think so. He might oh. be watching, but he's not commenting if he is. But um, that would be a big part of what made our sale most likely like more favorable and made it more happen was because of that synergistic value so we had something that just worked well with what they were doing and we're just like a perfect pair and both of us are going to succeed more by doing this together it's that synergy thing um you'll see it with companies who are buying out their competition like maybe if they're just straight an outside investor the investment would be like eh, okay but because they're buying a competitor that adds added value to them because of how they can take over more of the market share or whatever. There's all these different synergy things that add to the calculation that I think will affect price. So uh, that was a big one for us. So to name the ones out of there that I mentioned that I think were big for us were that monthly recurring revenue, 
brand and this synergistic value <laughs> that I think added a lot to it. Um, when you said wanting to sell versus needing to sell, mm -hmm. I really think I really think that makes such a massive difference to the price. Like right. I know it does. Like I've sure. seen it so many times. So you don't want to get into a position where you need to sell. And there's so many other things we want to talk about probably today, but we're trying very hard to stay within that half an hour. So um, so let's move on. Are we good? I want to sum it up okay, with one sum it up. famous quote from someone who I will not name. Really? Well, they it's like an NDA sort of situation. Okay, okay, this person okay. is very wise and has tons of experience with valuing and selling businesses. They said to me once, and they're a very serious person. They don't they don't joke and they're not sarcastic. They said the business is worth whatever the buyer will pay. Right. And that's not like a like um, trick them into paying as much as possible thing. No. It's like you show the value, the perceived value by them, whatever they mm -hmm. think it's worth. That's what it's worth. Yeah. Yeah. It's not like buying a home and you could look at what have other ones sold for in this area, in this neighborhood, and they had this Is extra square footage. And I don't have an answer. Do they bring that into the valuation, Claire? What's She's that? still there. What other businesses like yours oh, in I'm your sure, area have I'm sold I'm sure they for? have, but I mean, there's just so much less of a sample Data. size to yeah. be able to be like, well, they sold for this, so we should sell for this, because everything is so unique yeah. uh, that it is. It's absolutely just that match between the buyer and seller how what what price makes sense to both of them that's it so do you have a quick tip for us this week uh, i was going to talk about calculating your profit with and without you to see the difference interesting but you kind of you kind of talked about that stole so your fire. i have one more um I really liked, well, it was pretty boring, but it was very informative. The book, I listened to it on like 2x speed, but the book Built to Sell by John Morlow. Okay. It's just the voice. He's very, okay, sleepy. not the content. No, the, the content's reader. great. But okay. yeah, I really think people should read the book Built to Sell Built or to listen sell. to the book Built to Sell by John Morlow. My quick tip is something that we've been working on lately. We've been trying to create processes and systems and things, but especially processes like flowcharts and then checklists that you would go to and all this stuff. And after experimenting with some tools that even I mentioned on this podcast where I was saying, go try this and this, we discovered just go to Google Slides. You already have access to it. If you have a Google account, it's free. Go to Google Slides, you go insert image, and then there's actually a whole section for just flowchart shapes. And you drop in this circle one and this square one and this decision diamond and all this stuff and you can link them together. And then you can link to other slides. So I have, I've been making them uh, where then you click this one, you know, stage two of this flowchart and it just immediately takes you down to slide four where it tells you the checklist for that stage. And then awesome. you go back up to the flowchart and then link to your template proposal and it goes somewhere and link to your template contract and all that stuff is just easy to flow through so that anyone can look at that flowchart and know exactly what has to be done next and where to find the resources to get it done in the checklist to make sure it's done right.
Thank you guys so much for watching and for listening. We really appreciate you being here with us. Yeah, and you can watch us every Tuesday live on YouTube. Uh, easiest way to find that is bit.ly slash Better Business Podcast. We go live 7.15 Mountain Time on YouTube. And then you can um, listen wherever you listen to podcasts. And we would love for you to subscribe on any of those places. Where can we follow you? Uh, LinkedIn, Instagram, and Facebook. Kelly Ray Tamaki will find you. Find me on all those. And I'm more of a Twitter, Instagram, LinkedIn. (laughs) (laughs) And they're all different because Twitter is Lane underscore Anderson. Instagram is the real Lane Anderson. And you can just look up my name, Lane Anderson, on LinkedIn. Okay, thanks thanks so much for listening. See see you next week. week.